0: worker of yours. Science on WILK,
1: and welcome everybody. My name is Mark Kyes, and I'm here with my good buddy Stan Zirk. And you're listening to Paranormal Science on WILK. And uh, we have some interesting uh, news that uh, has been recently going around Facebook. And what would that be? The um, building for sale. Building for sale. House for sale. A house for sale. And Stan, what house is that? Well, it's located in New Jersey.
2: It, uh, was famous for a movie, and, uh, it comes from a little town
1: called Amityville. Yes, and would that be the Amityville Horror House? Yes, it would. It's up for sale again. Yeah, I see it back on Facebook. It's, uh, gone through several owners. Back in, uh, wow, this is going back a couple years now. I think it was 2011, maybe, we had, uh, um, Mr. Lutz on there. He actually goes by a, a different name as well, and, uh... He was uh, the the young son who lived in the home at the time uh, of the activity, which the story was uh, filmed about. Mm -hmm. And uh, he gave a little bit different account. Of course, uh, you know, as TV and and movies go, everything is dramatized. But uh, he's, you know, out there trying to get his version of what happened there. And he said, of course, it was uh, Hollywoodized, if you will. Uh,
2: Well, they have to. They have to beef it up a little bit and make it interesting.
1: Yeah, they do. Um, You know, I think they, uh, talked about, it's been a really long time since I've actually seen the movie, but uh, I think there's blood coming from the walls and stuff like that. He Mm -hmm. said that wasn't necessarily true, but uh, a lot of the content was, but not all of it.
2: Hmm.
1: But uh, yeah, I haven't heard anything about any activity there, but uh, the house is back on the market. And I think just because of its history, it tends to make news when that happens. It's only $850,000 for the home. Is that all? Yeah, it's a
2: 5,000 square foot, five. Five-bedroom, three-and-a-half bath, 1927 Dutch
1: colonial. I got to say, I saw the picture uh, recently of what it looks like, and it is a beautiful home.
2: It still looks the same. I mean, if you look at it, it's still got the uh,
1: the windows, the gables on the side, I guess you would call them. Yeah, it looks looks the same. And people like that, that history. I, I don't know if I'd want to live in a home that has had murders in it, especially uh, what, the five people were killed in the home.
2: Is it... A home, is it that exact home that all this happened in? Is it Or is that a home they used to base the movie on?
1: Um, I don't know if they, I don't think they filmed in the home. I could be wrong. But uh, that, that's where it happened. And the, the, the movie was based on it. But uh, there, there's also, um, interestingly enough, a, a lawsuit uh, going on right now from the original owners of uh, the home The Conjuring was filmed at. I guess they're having all kinds of issues now with trespassers coming to see the original home. And um, I, I believe it was Warner Brothers. I could be wrong on that. I think Warner Brothers may have been the uh, company that had filmed. But uh, there's a, a lawsuit that's been reported in the news hmm. lately. Hmm. I got
2: a little history on the house. What happened there? 1974, then 23-year-old Ronald Defoe Jr. killed his parents, two younger brothers and two younger sisters in the house, shooting them a rifle as they slipped. Defoe is now serving 25 years to life at Greenhaven Correctional Facility in Dutchess County. The Lutz family, that's who we had on... Yes. ...a few years ago? Yeah, I think it was 2011. Yeah. Moved in the house later. They left the house in 1976, later providing audio tapes to author Jane Adson describing paranormal experiences, experiences, excuse me, that became the basis of the book, The Amityville Horror True Story. So it was that house. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know... I'm trying to find out if there's still activity in it.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard anything uh, even from the family um, that there was any kind of activity still going on there, but uh, quite quite the uh, historical place. Like I said, I don't know, it's a, it's a little creepy to me even if uh, I was cleaned of any mm-hmm. uh, negative residue. I don't think that I'd, I'd want to just be in that house known for uh, you know brutal massacre. Well, the people that had owned it,
2: uh, Died last year. They just bought it in 2010, and they just died last year. Doesn't say how they died or what happened. It was a mm-hmm. husband and wife. Yeah. There's,
1: uh, you know, probably some some negative karma still remaining there.
2: Well, the tragedy. I'm sure there's something there.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, you, you see a lot now popping up in uh, different articles, not necessarily on uh, you know real estate sites, but a lot of people are promoting houses for sale that have hauntings there, and people are really kind of into that. You know, it's, it's not everybody's you know bag of ghosts, but uh, some some people really like that and uh, would buy a house just because well, of the hauntings.
2: I believe there was two in the area. One was up in Dunmore. Mm-hmm. That was about a year or two ago. Someone was selling a house, and they actually listed it as a haunted house. Yes. You know, noise, bumps in the night, three o'clock, You know, screaming, stuff like that. Yep, and uh, Wilkesbury was that another one? Wilkesbury had one. Uh, I can't remember the name of. It, it's a very. Is it the Wells House or is that a separate, some other issue? The Wells House is one of the most haunted houses in Wilkesbury, but I don't know if that's the one that's for sale.
1: I'm not sure myself, but uh, I don't know. I, I got to say, uh, I. I can go out and investigate just about anywhere, and I'm okay with that, and and there's not really much that bothers me, but I don't know if I'd want to live necessarily in a haunted house. I'd always feel like I was being watched at uh, intimate times, we'll say. I'd rather know that uh, I'm alone. <laughs> yes, yes. I always say that like 99%
2: of the times we're out there, I've never come across anything evil, anything bad, luckily. It's always some spirit that wants to find its way wants to be let known that it's there what happened or they help cross over right but i would have a terrible fear in something like the amityville though i for some reason i wouldn't consider that a friendly spirit in that house
1: yeah and uh more so what what was there even before the massacre was there something that was there that may have even uh played a part in mm-hmm in what happened there. And, uh, you know, a lot of what we find if we go into homes where, let's say a suicide occurred and they, they had a haunting there and you had somebody who had, uh, uh, let's say a bipolar issue, a lot of, uh, anger issues and maybe alcoholism, and was just a volatile person. Uh, you know, someone who's sensitive to that moving into the house can start taking on, uh, those type of feelings and, and get agitated really quick. And, right. and, uh, you know, often until we get out there and start looking into it, uh, you know, the cause really isn't that, uh, you know, in your face and, and people might completely have a different idea of what they think's going on there. And you know, it could be something, S- something, something like something that, yeah. exactly like that. I'm so, so
2: I'm trying to think of the name of the movie it's an older one and I haven't seen it in years. And I remember the word red rum, they're in the top, they're in a mountain somewhere. The guy, uh, Actually went crazy from the spirits up there, tried to kill his wife, his kids. Yes, uh,
1: Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas. Uh, what was the, the name part? of that movie? Uh, boy, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> uh, I don't know that. Uh, that that's an example of something taking over and
2: scaring somebody, and uh, yeah, that happening to them.
1: Yes, uh, The Shining. The Shining. Yeah, that fact. was The Shining. Thank you, uh, or uh, Chief Engineer Bosco <laughs> jumping in there. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, Again, people like to buy these places, but uh, I, I I do enjoy going out there and working on these type of cases. I like providing relief for people. It, nothing really bothers me. We've run into some stuff that uh, I could say was probably evil, but uh, I, I don't want anything in my house. Yeah, true. Really, you you want to go visit at someone else's house. You don't want to have it home with you. So if you want a place like that, I don't know if there's anything going on currently, but you could check out the Amityville and Horror House itself. So. 850000 yeah, sounds like a deal. Yeah, yeah, if that's the kind of home you like. But hey, uh, we got our buddy Bob uh, from Wilkes-Barre. He's calling in to talk about oh. the Amityville house, and uh, he's he's got quite of uh, a bit of knowledge, a good he base is, of information. He's a good man. Bob, how are you doing tonight? Welcome, Bob. I'm good, how are you? Good, good. So you well, wanna talk great. a little bit about the Amityville house?
0: Yes, um, back in the 1980s, there was a fellow named Steve Kaplan who was debunking it. He was saying that it was all a hoax. And so I got in touch with the Warrens and had them record a statement of their experiences there, and they insisted that it was all real. Ed Warren said that he was in the basement and he he challenged anything that was there and was confronted by a demonic spirit and so forth and so on. So they were totally on board with it being haunted. And then in about two thousand and three, uh, my room, my a friend of mine and I went to Penn State for what they called their first Paracon, and this was you know, about 2003. And they had um, George Lutz there presenting his side of the story. And um, it was interesting because during the presentation, while he was speaking, there were disembodied voices in, in the room. Um, not lots of them, but there was some giggling and shouting and stuff that just didn't fit anywhere, and we were all kind of hmm. impressed, I have to say. But his his story. Now he was he always was upset that Hollywood had taken liberties with it. But then when I asked him to say what did happen that night, it sounded just like what you saw in the (laughs) movies. So uh, anyway, for my two cents, it's it's definitely legitimate. And you hear a lot of people saying, "Oh no, it isn't." But no, it it was. It was the real thing.
1: You know, and I I would. By the way, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh yeah, one more thing. It's, It's not
1: in New Jersey. It's in New York. Yes, Amityville Amity is kidding. in New York, yes. Yeah, yeah. So You know, I uh, uh, y- y- I just want to say I agree with you there. And uh, we had uh, Christopher Lutz, who uh, goes by Christopher Quarantino. Um, uh, his, he was uh, a stepson. But uh, mm-hmm. he lived in the house, and uh, he's got his own version, and he's out talking about it now. And, you know, he said there was definitely a haunting there, no doubt, but uh, that his stepdad, uh, actually, he believed was a cause of a lot of the type of activity, and, you know, his story differs a little bit than his dad's, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Hollywood definitely puts their own spin on it, and he said that there was a lot added to the film that just didn't happen, but it was put in there, you know, just for entertainment value or a scare factor, but, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, when you break it down, um, you know, this is going back years ago when People really did not talk about this, and there was probably a lot of hauntings going on. But it was very rare that somebody would come out, come out in public and and speak about it. So a lot of these cases seemed like really big deals back then and were uh, made for movies. But when you compare them with a lot of uh, modern day hauntings that we have right now, uh, I mean, there's you know a hundred cases I could throw out that would would be worthy of a, a television movie. But I, I think a, a large part of it was just because. You know, people really didn't talk about it back then. It was unique, and, um, yeah. you know, it can be sensationalized. So, you know, I like I said, I, I agree. I, I think they probably had some stuff going on there, and just by all the witnesses and even the sun coming out saying, you know, there was a haunting there. It was uh, what they felt was a negative haunting, but not as extreme as as the movie made. Well,
0: for some reason, I, I won't belabor the point, but, I, for example, uh, you know, Georgia was saying that, the you know, Hollywood went to town with the blood on the walls, but then... At the same time, he said that the the room was full of flies upstairs. You know, so you know you saw enough of. You know, they showed enough in the movie that was real that whatever they added didn't
1: uh, didn't ruin it too much. <laughs> right, and you know say- it uh, it definitely had a negative impact on the whole entire family. I think that's something everybody agreed about, and they did feel it was uh, a, a negative haunting as compared to some of the the nicer hauntings that you run into from time to time.
2: Bob, did you uh, <laughs> yeah. what you know about the home? Did you uh, know of anything that happened prior to the murders there? Was there a history with this home? Do you know
0: um, the, the usual stories of that it was sacred ground of the Indians and there might be somebody buried there and on and on? But I'm not really familiar with the Amityville too much in terms of, of that. I just know the you know the Defeo history and then the the Lutches. and uh, you know it, it's I, who knows? Well. You know, there's this. <laughs> I, ju- I just wanted to set that because there is so much, you know, propaganda or whatever you want to call it, that it that it was all fake. And no, it wasn't. <laughs> and I just want to put in my two cents there. Well, Having we appreciate spoken that. to this. Yes. Uh, okay, you're cutting out. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know if you're
1: hearing me, but. Yep, we're hearing I'm you just hang fine, up, Bob. That, uh, I, okay. I appreciate the phone call. You have a great night. Thanks, Bob. Okay, same to you. Yep. You know, we had uh, the same situation here in, uh, was it? Uh, West, Pits- West Pittston. West mm-hmm. Pittston, yes. Uh, you know, a home uh, very heavily haunted there, and uh, a lot of people didn't believe it was going on there either, and it was just sensationalized uh, for either a movie or a book later right. on. And, and, in fact, the Warrens came out to that one as well.
2: Yes, they did. We just had one of the daughters on uh, a
1: few weeks ago. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, once uh, television or uh, the movies take over and the production companies that work, you, you know, you're getting the dramatization. And I actually talked to some producers from television uh, about, uh, you know, some of the television shows that they produce. And they said that they don't necessarily do it to... Um, Just to scare people for the the sake of scaring them, but they're trying to recreate what the people were feeling at the time, Mm -hmm. and the only way to do that is by adding special effects and the scary, creepy music. I was just going to say, if you
2: took away the music in that, it would just be... Nothing with these movies. The music makes it like the dun done, done. Right. You're building up and you know something's going to happen. And-
1: well, the funny thing is when we first started uh, filming with The Haunted, we went out and we did our investigations and we didn't have a production crew with us for the actual investigation. They took a lot of our video footage and used it into the the footage that they came out and later filmed. And while we're there, there's no music, there's no special effects. It's very quiet, mm-hmm. you know, quite often. And right. uh, I remember watching as it developed and then the final cut when it you know was aired on tv and you know they have uh, the scenes coming out of the house and the creepy music and the special effects and and i'm saying wow that's a scary place i don't know if i'd want to go there <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's not quite like that in real life when no, you're actually no. there but uh, anyway we have to take a short commercial break so when we come back we're going to talk a little bit about our trip down to the uh, penhurst paracon this weekend so stick with us we'll be right back Hey, it's Mark Kais from Paranormal Science. Did you ever get that feeling like you have a thousand demons tearing at your back? You know the pain. Are you uncomfortable in your own body, like you're possessed with somebody else's torment and suffering? You don't need an exorcist. You need chiropractics. Dedicated to providing the best chiropractic and rehabilitative care possible, chiropractics will get you back into the body you remember. Chiropractics, 569 Pier Street, Kingston, PA. Check them out on the web. Get chiropractics.com, T I X on the end, or call 570 288 5800 and get back to living. This program may contain
0: material that is controversial to some listeners. Spontaneous enlightenment
1: may occur. Welcome back. You're listening to Paranormal Science on WILK. Our call-in numbers are 570-883-0098 from anywhere toll-free in PA, 1-800-437-0098. Give us a call. We'd like to hear if uh, anybody's ever been out on any kind of uh, tour or maybe stayed at a bed and breakfast or uh, were at some kind of restaurant and you had what you believe was a ghost sighting there. Some Uh, type
2: of activity. Yeah, we'd like to hear about
1: it. Uh, We want to know where you were and what you saw. So give us a call again from anywhere, 570-883-0098. Well, this past weekend, the Pennhurst Paracon 2 uh, took place, and uh, that was hosted by, uh, I believe, the the Ghost Hunters store, which is in New Jersey, and uh, Ghost Detectives, a local Mm -hmm. uh, television show. And uh, they invited us to come down there, and uh, I got to tell you, we had a really, really good time. Penhurst is a rather large; it's very large. Unfortunately, I could not make it this year. I
2: was there last year, so I I know the size of the
1: place. We definitely missed you down there, but uh, you know, we we made uh, a lot of new friends and met a lot of friends that we hadn't seen in a long time. So it was really nice to touch base with everybody. And uh, they had several speakers down there that. um, really gave some, some really good lectures. Uh, Rosalind Brown from, um, Ghost Hunters Academy Two uh, gave a great lecture on, uh, things that people perceive as hauntings, but weren't really, a, a true haunting. And, and there are just, uh, some, some symptoms. I, mean, I don't know what you want to call them, but, uh, just some, some ways people perceive stuff as hauntings. And, uh, she's actually going to be coming on our show in, mm-hmm. in, uh, next couple of weeks. And, um, a man by the name of Matt Haas. He's a good friend of the PPA. Uh, Matt runs a a paranormal team out in uh, Long Island, and uh, Matt spoke a lot about um, dangers of the paranormal, and uh, he knows firsthand. He actually uh, was doing an investigation and got an attachment to him, and uh, we had Virginia go in there and and help rid him of that, and uh, just a great guy. It was a good lecture, but he also uh, talks about... Other dangers that you wouldn't necessarily think of, but uh, lawsuits, for example. And I was discussing several pending lawsuits that are out there right now against paranormal teams. And, um, you know, people can sue for just about anything. But, uh, you know, when when you deal with this stuff, there's all kinds of uh, emotional things that go on, sometimes physical things. And, you know, you could be sued for emotional trauma or. Um, if, you know, your equipment were to uh, damage something, you could be sued. So there's just there's such a variety of things and, and people really have to be careful with what they're doing and, and how they interact with clients. So it was, it was a really interesting um, lecture that he gave. And uh, a man by the name of John Tobin, who uh, uh, he's from the, the Glory Haunt Hounds, and they do more of a historical haunting type of lectures And uh, our good friend Chris DeCesare, who's been on the Mm -hmm. show several times, Chris was the victim of a haunting out at uh, the SUNY uh, Geneseo campus and uh, survived that, and he talks with a lot of people about what it was like to go through a a malevolent haunting and to be injured, and um, I like his lecture because the theme is what we talk about a lot. His initial impressions of the haunting were not exactly what he thought it was. Uh, it was something entirely different at the end. Uh, you know, he was getting physically attacked, but it came down to uh, what he believes was a, a man who was uh, hung and, uh, you know, died at the hands of other people and uh, was reaching out for help.
2: That seems like that's what most of them are. So yeah. It may start off as something...
1: Uh you'd be afraid of, and by the end, you feel sorry for them. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I tell people this, too, when they're getting, uh, like, what they they feel is attacked, like scratches, let's say, uh, they feel it's being attacked. And, you know, we often say you, you got to look at the intent of it, though. Is that the only way that the spirit knows how to reach out? To connect with somebody, to let them know they're there, and can a spirit even control the amount of force being used Mm -hmm. when they're touching somebody? And interesting, jumping back to uh, Rosalind Brown, uh, she spoke uh, about... It's got a long medical name, but it's essentially a a histamine dump that you can get under your skin, and a lot of people report scratches or even things that look like symbols or words on, say, your back, your arms, but if you have this histamine dump, uh, it's it's kind of weird. It would be like from an allergic reaction, except without the allergic reaction part. But you get this histamine dump under your skin, and you can actually draw figures on it. You can draw lines, and it will welt just like you were scratched. No, I mean, is this something
2: that the people draw on themselves, or is it just scratches that come out from this well, it
1: uh, usually uh, you have this dump and you might get a red spot there, but uh, if you rub it, you can get a, a scratch-looking mm. mark or uh, say you're laying in bed and, and it feels like a hot area and you're sleeping and you, you happen to scratch it with your hand, you could wake up looking like you have these welts on your right. arm. You know, so I'm not saying this is every case that that uh, this histamine dump would cause this stuff, but... It's just one explanation for... Right, something sometimes. to consider when, when yeah. things like that happen. So a great... Uh, it was a great lecture by Robin, but uh, we have another uh, Robert calling in tonight right. from German, and and uh, he used to go ghost hunting. Hi there, Robert. Welcome, welcome to the Robert.
3: show. Hey, how you guys doing? I'm a new caller too, by the way.
1: Well, it's great to have you Thank calling
3: you. in. Yeah, you guys are welcome. Um, I used to go ghost hunting back in 2010 and 2011 up at the silent, silent. Um, uh, there, there used to be a hospital up there off of Kaiser Avenue over
1: on Westside. Oh, right, in uh, Ransom Township area, I believe, or Newton yeah, Township, whatever that is there.
3: Yeah, on top of the hill there. And I guess it caught a fire back in your, um, I guess yeah, right.
1: the year. Yeah, many fires there.
3: Yeah, done, and now, uh, so I went up there, and I had my camera going, and my one friend and this, the girl that her friend were up there, and I was just videotaping, looking around, because I would watch YouTube clips about it, and I never really went up there. So I was like, all right, let's go up there. So we didn't see nothing, but the camera, when I brought it back to my friend's house and hooked it up to the laptop, we I saw this kind of like a shadow alien kind of thing. It kind of like transformed. Uh, I had to like play the video back like three times just to see, and it tra- transformed into like a little girl, it seemed like. Wow. It came like to like a creature, like a dark shadow figure. So everybody I posted on Facebook and everybody's like, oh, that's just, you know, nothing. It's just, you know, it doesn't look nothing. But me and my friend were like, no, that's, you know, really bizarre because we didn't see nothing. And but it was like this dark figure that's shaped into like smoke kind of, I guess you want to call it. But and um, then um, I put that on YouTube. And then what I did is I went back up there by myself because I wanted to go up there and see if I had the courage to go up there and walk through it. And my friend was like, oh, I'm just going to sit down here and wait for you. So I walked through it and I was getting video and then I heard really lightly in the corner of my ear, and I don't know if my, you know, my mind was playing tricks on me or whatever, but I heard get out. Like, that's what I heard in my ear. And then all of a sudden a deer jumped out of nowhere. And scared me. (laughs) Yeah. So it scared me. So I was like, so when I heard that voice, was that my imagination, or you think there was something, like, warning me, or just...
1: Well, I tell you, it, you know, it, it could be both, but, uh, you know, you're not alone there in the pictures. I can tell you that. Uh, there, there's a lot of people over the years have gone up there, some ghost hunters, some just, uh, you know, enthusiasts, or people who just, uh, like, historical places, and they've caught all kinds of weird-looking shadow type and even like uh, mist type figures on cameras. Um, You know, it uh, may make sense that you heard something like that. You know, it could be something. Um, I know that, uh, you know, it it wasn't the most pleasant place to be, I guess. I I, I don't remember the whole history of the place. I think it was a tuberculosis hospital at one point. Uh, But uh, there, there were a lot of deaths there. And
3: yeah I know and uh, my other one is that one. you guys were talking about the West Pitts. so when I used to walk past that all the t- that house up there in West Pitts, and uh, my girlfriend lived in Exeter at the time and I used to walk past that house all the time up there
1: yeah and that was a tough thing for the family to go through I actually went to high school with uh, you know the the daughters who were I believe a grader head a grade or two ahead of me and uh, it, it was a, a tough thing for them to go through publicly and uh, You know, like today, if somebody said my house is haunted, you know, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, right. Or you're going to get, oh, well, that's cool. You know, you'll Mm -hmm. get one version or other. But people aren't really going to chastise you for saying that or for calling in help. But, you know, you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, people really scrutinized you for even saying something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, there's been, you know, a lot of reports up, up on the mountain there where you were. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of weird things. A lot of people say they uh not necessarily going ghost hunting, but there's a lot of historical people that they like old historical places, abandoned buildings and stuff like that, who will go in to take pictures, and they'll say they'll have, like, two or three people there who all have camera problems. Either the pictures aren't coming out, the cameras are turning off, the batteries, the batteries are going are dead.
3: dead, that's common, right. Yeah, and then there was a picture of a guy in the window that you can see clear as day in the picture, and everybody just, couldn't deny that.
1: Yeah, there's uh,
3: a... You can see the guy looking out the window and there's nobody in there.
1: You know, and it's hit and miss. If if you got some pictures there, you you were there on a lucky day. And uh, even some of the cases we've done back-to-back, Friday, Saturday nights, we've had, you know, lots of activity on Friday. And you're expecting the same Saturday. You go back and you get absolutely nothing. And uh, so those people who are lucky enough to capture stuff in photos, it's you know, it's a keeper because they're tough to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But, uh, I appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in Robert. And thanks for listening yep. to the show.
3: Thanks Robert. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys.
1: So one thing, uh, you know, I would like to add is that, uh, that is private property up there for people thinking of going up there. Um, a lot of people do get permission. Uh, I'm not sure who you'd even go to at is this point. Is the building still there or did they tear it down? Uh, You know, I I believe there's just remains of maybe one or two buildings. Most of the buildings are gone. It just, it seems like a lot of
2: these old uh, asylums, I hate, I don't like to use the word insane asylums, but that's what they were called. Yes. The asylums or tuberculosis hospitals, they uh, seem to be quite active, I guess because of the nature of what they were. Right, and the spirits may very well be just as con-
1: well confused as when they're alive. Now, according to most of the mediums we work with, if someone dies in a home like that, they're not necessarily in the right mind all the time, and they they think of that as home if they've been there long enough, and they might pass away and, and just stay there for mm-hmm. for whatever their their emotional or psychological state is at the time. And they get stuck. Uh, One interesting thing I found, uh, speaking with several mediums who have worked with us going into, um, you know, either old state homes or um, even some tuberculosis uh, hospitals, is that the staff will actually stay with them when they die. And I I thought that to be, Hmm. number one, I guess, extraordinarily compassionate. Um, You know, uh, Virginia, who's, you know, been out with us to uh, a local uh, old insane asylum. Uh, felt that there were several uh, former um, employees of the place who, who used to be like nurses that would take care of the people um, stayed, and, and it, it wasn't like they crossed over and went to uh, you know in quotes heaven, if you will, and came back. They they decided to stay with the the patients well, there I'd and take Im- care of them.
2: I'd imagine when you're for years taking care of the people, they're part of your family. There's somebody you really love, care for, or, you know, yeah. just
1: you're attached. You know, and, and I could say I've, uh, I've had the opportunity to go to, um, the Clark Summit State Hospital on occasion. And boy, what a, a tremendously, um, sad place mm-hmm. to see. Cause some, some people, um, you know, really have some psychological issues, and some of them are even catatonic. And you could go there and just see them sitting or standing, and, and they're not moving. They're just sort of staring into space. Right. And uh, I don't know. I just uh, I found it overwhelmingly sad to be there. It's not a, a happy place by any extent. No, it's not. I mean, I, I have all the respect in the world for
2: the people that work in those places. I personally couldn't do it. I couldn't handle day in day out. You know, living live. I guess living with that. That's not something in me. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just not compassionate enough or not, but it's just something I don't think I can do. It
1: takes a special person, I'll say that. Um, Yes, it does. It's like being a teacher, even. That's a special kind of person right there, too. Mm -hmm. That's a tough job. But uh, jumping back to uh, Pennhurst... um, That used to be a a state school, and uh, I had the opportunity to be able to speak with some of the people who lived around there, and the neat part is a lot of the the people who work there still live there, and they're still alive, and before it even closed down, they had a lot of stories of hauntings Mm -hmm. and and paranormal activity that went on, and people who go there claim that uh, it's a really, really active place, and the disposition of the building uh, well, there's several buildings, but uh, the, the building that we were in, people claim the disposition disposition of that building changes greatly at night. And, uh, you know, just, just like uh, you know, Robert was just saying, you know, is some of it in your mind or is some of it real? It's probably a mixture of both. But it's, um, you know, just by the look of it, it is priming somebody for um, experiences, I guess, if you will, whether it's psychological or real. It, well, it, the history of that place, I don't know how much uh,
2: who you talk to down there because you get two different stories. If you talk to the workers, which there was a few of them down there, they had their own little setup, people, the aides that worked there, they'll tell you one story. There's family members there of the people and the neighboring residents they will tell you a whole another story of what was going on in there. And I mean, there was some nasty, nasty things. Going on as far as uh, real life events. Real life yes. events. Like uh, they use the example that, you know, If Bobby really misbehaved, they took him to the movies. Right, and Bobby never came back. Never came back. Right. Yeah, they took him... Then there's tunnels under there. And they took him down in the tunnels, and uh, that was it. He's gone.
1: Yeah, a few of the people um, that we spoke to actually did talk about the tunnels underneath and uh, found them extraordinarily eerie. Uh, Nobody that I spoke to had any... um, experiences in them, but, uh, felt that it was a a very negative place. It wasn't a, I guess it wasn't a happy place if they led you through there. Yeah. Well, we're going to continue our conversation with, uh, uh, the Pennhurst Paracon too, and who we talked to down there. When we come back, we have to take another short commercial break. You're listening to paranormal science on WILK. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Paranormal Science on WILK. Give us a phone call from anywhere, 570-883-0098, toll-free in Pennsylvania, 1-800-437-0098, or you could text us at 99404. Well, we're talking about uh, paranormal experiences in Pennhurst Mm -hmm. and the, the Paracon down there, and um, we have a, a little bit of something coming up with the East Coast Paracon. Yes,
2: yes, we do. We got a couple of things coming up. Uh, you're gonna have to listen for more information on this one, but we have a bingo coming up. I believe it's um, mid July, I don't have the exact date in front of me. It is for a benefit for a young girl with a, an illness, and we are just helping them out down there. And it will be in Wilkesbury Township Fire Department. And, again, uh, the ladies are handling this, and it's something I believe they call a purse bingo. I'm not sure what that means, but <laughs> if one of the girls wants to call in and they can explain it, hey. Is what? this for Miss Lila? Miss Lila. Yes. Lollies, Lylas. Yeah.
1: Right. Lolli- Lollies? Lylas, Lylas, Lollies. Lollies, yes. Uh, if, yeah. if people are familiar with that. Uh, yes, I actually uh, gave a, a donation with um, some of the, the funds that I was able to raise through my book sale at mm-hmm. uh, the the. Convention this weekend. And, you know, I'd like to throw a, a thank you out for uh, uh, Ghost Detectives and Bob Christopher for having us come down there. And, uh, like I said, it was a really good time, met a, a lot of nice people. And uh, something that I got to tell you, I wasn't prepared for was that uh, there were some enthusiasts there who watch a lot of paranormal television, including the haunted. Mm-hmm. And I had several people calling my name, running at me <laughs> that, uh, I was not expecting them to know so much, but, Good. uh, yeah. And, and, these were super nice people. Um, you know, it was great to meet them. Um, you know, they, they were you know, telling me that, uh, you know, they were so excited to, to be able to meet me, but, uh, I mean, the honor was mine that, uh, you know, these people would, uh, you know, recognize that I was going to be there and actually come out and and want to speak to me kind of blew my mind. But uh, I wasn't really prepared for that. But, you know, if anybody is listening to the show who was there and and came and talked to me, thank you. I I really appreciate that. It meant a lot. And, uh, you know, we we just had uh, such a great time talking to everybody and sharing stories. It's
2: it's fun at those conventions. It's a great time.
1: Yeah, you know, and I was somebody who never was really into the conventions and we just do so much work at the PPA. It takes up a lot of time and and that's where my heart is is going out and getting to the bottom of hauntings for people and trying to solve those but uh, it's really nice to get out and and talk to a lot of people. I was just going
2: to say it's like it's different. It's a nice break. It's something different to go out and talk and listen to other people and learn what they're doing and what's going on out there.
1: Yeah, and there's so much great information that I, I gained from that and uh you know it's uh, it's really great and uh you know another very exciting thing that uh happened to me over the weekend here a um a psychic medium by the name of um, William um, who who uh, takes cases for us out. He's one of our associate, uh, psychics out mm-hmm. of the Hershey area, but he, he covers like all around Harrisburg for us. When we have cases come in, uh, he'll go out and handle a lot of those for us, William Stillman. And, uh, he wrote a, a book and I, I posted uh, a nice little thing on our, our Facebook page, um, that, uh, I, I wasn't expecting this to happen, but, uh, he actually put a nice little, uh, um, I don't know what you really call it. I, I wrote up a nice little piece for him, uh, which he had several people do. But uh, he he put mine on the back of his right. book with my name Good. there, and Good. and uh, sent me the copy of the the book. And um, we're gonna we're gonna start uh, referring clients to that. I guess It's gonna be a resource for some of our clients um, to read through it. It gives a great explanation of how psychic mediums work and mm-hmm. how they get information and uh, It also explains uh, how different ghosts and negative entities will try to communicate with you, what to do if, uh, you know, you come into contact with them and then you have a problem. And uh, it's it's really great. It's called Under Under Spiritual Siege, uh, and it's by William Stillman. And it's uh, how ghosts and demons affect us and how to combat them. So it's, it's really worth checking out and, you know... And where can you get this book at? Uh, I believe you can get it anywhere books are sold. Amazon. Um, Is it local bookstores? Like, you can get it in there? I'm not sure about local bookstores. You can ask for it. But, you know, online, Barnes & Noble's mm-hmm. and uh, Amazon. Mm, you could, could Google it, but we're going to have uh, William on the show as well in a couple weeks, and he's going to come in and, and talk all about uh, the book. And it goes, like I said, right through uh, spiritual issues, uh, you know, how psychics receive info and communicate, and it gives a real good explanation of that because a lot of people don't understand how they get info, and, uh, you know, they think they have uh, just this... Um, vast amount of knowledge that comes in because they're psychic. They get a little bit, but you know it's uh, typically transferred in a way of a life experience that they've had, and they well, get it's symbols. Their and, interpretation. Yeah, so right. They, they have, have to interpret, interpret what they're seeing in their head, and you know it's, it's not like they can get unlimited information. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very limited to their frame of reference. So he he walks a person all through that to uh, you know ghosts and demons and spirit guides and you know how to deal with them and how to help heal yourself and others from hauntings and and other spiritual related issues. So it's, it's really a great book. I read it. And, uh, again, it's, it's something that I want to bring him in to to talk about, and it's going to be a resource for our team, uh, for people who are going through hauntings that they can read it for themselves Mm -hmm. and and know what to do before we come, why we're there. And even after it's a a great follow-up book. And, uh, we have, uh, you know, another Bob, third Bob for the uh, night uh, on, row. Uh, on on standby here from Berwick. Hi, Bob. Welcome hey, to the Bobby. show. How's it going? It's going good. So uh, do you have a, a ghost story to tell? Have you had a sighting in the past?
4: I do. Uh, basically, we're having a real quick back. my mother-in-law had Alzheimer's and was in a wheelchair. We moved in with her to take care of her. And my wife and her you know, her daughter did not get along at all in life. They just butted heads constantly. And all fairness to my wife, never denied her mother anything, doctors, medication, food. She was not mistreated in any way. They just didn't get along with each other. After she had passed, about a week later, I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw a shadow figure standing in my door. And I remember rolling over saying, who's there? Because I thought maybe my daughter had gotten up. And then it just vanished, and that was it. And then I rolled over, okay, it's probably Dorothy, that's my mother-in-law, and I went back to sleep. About a week later, my wife was having a horrible nightmare, and I woke up, and I rolled over to tell her, you know, to kind of comfort her, and I noticed that same shadow figure kind of leaning over her and holding her hand, and I just looked at her, and I pointed my finger right at it, and I said, back off, and it disappeared. Hmm. You know, and the next morning, my wife woke up, and she had a mark on her hand, and her hand burned really bad.
1: Hmm. Oh, really? You know? And you know what? it's uh, one thing I, I didn't say before, and uh, I had a question that uh, if you were listening earlier to the show with uh, with like marks and uh, maybe scrapes on on the skin, uh, there are some natural causes from that. But uh, uh, I wanted to ask during that lecture, and they just ran out of time. If, if people were reporting, uh, you know, burning or pain with that type of scratch, as compared to uh, like a literal scratch that someone would get on their skin, but uh, yeah, that's kind of a scary thing there. So, uh, you, you, did you have any idea of what you think that was? Would that?
4: Yeah, well, I think. It- I think it was her mother basically getting even, you know, because the next time I was alone in the house, I yelled at her because she liked me. She trusted me and I was her buddy and she, she actually was always pleasant when she saw me in life. So I yelled at her. I said, that was a really crappy thing for you to do. I said, you know, you were never denied anything. I said, no matter what you think about her, she never mistreated you. Now back off.
1: Never saw her again. That was my next question. Yeah. So no contact from then on. That you know? well, works well, I mean, a lot of times. Minor stuff.
4: My daughter took over her bedroom. She says, I feel someone watching me. says, Get your grandmother, tell her good night and you love her and you
1: go sleep. Well, interestingly enough, uh, I, I'm rereading this uh, book that I had just mentioned. And uh, once people cross over properly, it sounds like if you're seeing, you know, if, if it was her mom or, or whatever, if you're seeing it in the form of a shadow, that might be somebody who didn't necessarily cross over yet. And. uh, you know, again, this I'm getting from the psychic mediums we work with, but, uh, you know, it's not always instant for some people. Some people stick around for a couple of days and go, some people immediately. But, uh, um, in this book, uh, William talks about how once people do cross over, uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, no more pain, suffering, revenge, any arguments that might've just happened or like all is forgiven and it doesn't matter anymore. And a lot of people will try to, um, you know, come back on a higher level and, and uh make peace with that person, so you know hopefully that's the case. hopefully uh yeah. you know she can work that out with uh, you know, her mom on a, a higher level. yeah,
4: hopefully, well
1: they very strong personalities, both of them yeah. yeah and I could share a story uh similar, not not quite exactly like that, but uh, my mom used to tell me right after her dad died that uh, she was actually seeing him. Um, sort of appear in this uh, reclining chair that he used to sit in when he come to visit us, and and he was scaring her, and uh, you know, they they got along, they didn't get along type of thing, but uh, uh, she wasn't comfortable with him being there anyway, and, and kind of said the same thing. Listen, you gotta go, I don't want you here, and he never came back. So, right, you know that uh, that does happen, I believe, from time to time.
4: Yeah, well, there hasn't been any activity since. So, if if she did cross over, it's it it's been done, you know.
1: Oh, good, and ho- hopefully she's looking at everything in a different light now.
4: Well, hopefully she went to a better place.
1: Yep, yeah. let's. Uh, I'm let's... a Christian.
4: I believe in good and bad.
1: So, same here. I'm mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. All right. Thank I, you for the I call, appreciate Bob. It. Thanks. Bye. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, something we hear a lot. That uh, right after somebody dies, um, the family might experience some kind mm-hmm. of activity around the house or workplace, even. Yeah, they're not. They haven't fully crossed. They're a little confused. Yeah. Yeah. hang around. And uh, again, this, this comes from the mediums we work with. I can't say it's right or wrong, but I've got no reason not to disbelieve them. They've been so accurate with uh, information we can validate. Uh, you know, they, they say sometimes the person will die and go immediately into the light. And sometimes they want to stick around for a couple days, a couple months, years, and take care of some stuff. And then they go, and then there's those folks that uh, want to stick around for a little bit and just get stuck here or don't know how to go after that. And, mm. you know, they're the, the cases that we try to focus on and and uh, get them some relief and the family relief if they need that. There's some of the cases where the people are afraid to go. Yes, you know, from, yeah, they might consider themselves. What did I do
2: in life? And uh,
1: you know, right, due to their their religious upbringing and their mm-hmm. faith, they're told that uh, you're going to be condemned and go to right. hell. So and, they're figuring, well, I'm just going to stay right here. And I think uh, almost 100% consistently, the psychic mediums, uh, every single one that I've talked to on our team and off our team, will say that it's actually the person that's holding themselves back rather than any creator that they think is going to judge and condemn them somewhere. They have an opportunity to be forgiven. And, uh, you know, some, some of the spiritual people say that maybe they need to go through a life review and if they're willing to go back to the source and back to love then you know they can stay but uh, a lot of people may not like that or want to do that and condemn themselves or they can't forgive themselves right and, you know mm, they're stuck yeah so they decide well i'm gonna just stay right here it's safer here than to go anywhere else that i might be condemned you know, I guess we'll all have the opportunity at some point to find out, hopefully not for a while, but <laughs> not for a long while <laughs> but uh you know, I want to say, uh, to Brian uh, Cano, uh, he was on uh, the Haunted, or uh, Haunted Collector, I believe mm-hmm. it was called, just Haunted Collector, and uh, every time I see him, what, what a truly nice guy he is. He's, he's a great guy. But he has such a following, it's like he's got his own posse following him around everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got this little group of people that are, and it's always different, you know, and, you know, I saw him earlier in the day, and uh, he's got this little group of people following him around, and later in the day, he's got another group following him around. But uh, just what a genuinely nice guy. He's, he's really great. He's uh, extremely intelligent when it comes to the paranormal and uh, investigating and the way he deals with things. And, um, you know, I, I like a lot of the things he does. He, he lectures uh, all over the, the country. Very and- hard. To get a
2: hold of him, we've been trying to get him for the Paracon, and we know the guy. We talked to him. Like I said, he's a very nice guy. Yes, he he's booked up so far in advance.
1: Yeah, and we were we were hoping to get him to come out for this one, but uh, again, he was he's he was booked. already booked up, and just a generally nice guy. So uh, you know, once again, a big thank you for uh, inviting us down to the the Pennhurst Paracon. We look forward to coming back to uh, number three if you have it, but uh, we're gonna have a lot of those folks up at the East Coast Paracon here right in uh, September twenty fourth. Yep, so we look forward to that. At the Marketplace in Steamtown, they changed the name. Yes, it's going to be a big one. Yes, it is. All right, folks, that's it for us tonight. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Mark Kyes. And I'm Stan Zirk. Have a great night. And sleep tight.